It's good to be with you guys as always. My family doesn't even do that, so I really appreciate it. Grab your Bibles and go with me to Daniel, chapter 11. So uh, the other night I was, uh, as we come to this passage, a lot of people ask me, so why do you pick these sermons? I mean, where do you get them? Do you like follow someone's like, you should teach this, you should teach this? Several years ago I was reading a biography by uh, George Whitfield. And uh, do any of you know the history of George Whitfield and how he shaped the United States? Uh, he came in as they were going through the Revolutionary War and he went up and down the colonies and preached the gospel. And people would actually get up at 6 in the morning and go walk for like 4 or 5 hours to wherever he was at. And there would be like twenty or 30,000 people hearing him preach the gospel. Uh, did I say Jonathan Edwards? No. George Whitfield. Okay. Um, and he said this is how he got his messages. He would be reading through the scriptures every morning. And wherever the Holy Spirit landed and it touched his heart, he knew that was his daily bread. To serve people out of. He wanted what he called fresh bread. Once I heard that, uh, the Lord started using that in my life. And here's what happens. I kind of just read through scripture. And anything that jumps out at me and causes me to go, why did the Lord say that? Or what is he trying to say? I realize that's fresh bread. That's what I'm to draw out of and, and minister to people out of. So this one actually flooded into my heart a week ago. I was just kind of minding my own business. And I was looking up some other stuff. And I kept getting in. People that know their God will do exploits, and it just kept following me. And I realized, all right, so this is what we're going to do. Um, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32 specifically. Let's come into the context of what's going on in this passage. Kind of interesting, if you know anything about biblical history or anything about people that come against the Word of God, uh, atheists and people like that, do you know that the two main books of the Bible that they've had is Genesis and Daniel? Now, they attack Genesis because it's the what we call the beginning. If it didn't happen the way God said it did, then we have to be suspect that the Word of God really is true. So they attack it for that. But when it comes to Daniel, why Daniel is so fascinating is his prophecies, hundreds of years before human events happened, were so accurate that people can't believe that someone can actually hear God 200 years before an event. He describes the rise and fall of Alexandria, uh, Alexander the Great, the splitting of his kingdom, and the attack of the nation of Israel, and then this thing called an abomination that causes desolation. And it all happened exactly the way that Daniel talked about as he gave prophetic utterances. And so people think Daniel was written by several different people after the event and then ascribed it to Daniel, but it was really written by the prophet Daniel hundreds of years before it happened. And here in this passage... As I started looking at it, I realized it's talking about, let's just kind of bring this into a scene. For the nation of Israel, this is one of the worst events they're actually going to come into. So think about this. The worst thing for the nation of Israel in their history is going to happen. The Lord is actually going to tell them about it, and then he's going to make a promise to them, and then go on with the prophecy. So verse 32. 
it's, it's finishing up the abomination that causes desolation. It says, by smooth words, he will turn the godless, those who act wickedly, toward towards the covenant. But the people who know their God will display strength. In some translations it says, do exploits. I have take action. It's just, and I'll present it here what this means. So he's saying in the middle of something, the nation is going to be plundered. They're actually going to set up a pig idol worship and the Holy of Holies. Now, you have to understand, whenever God's temple is desecrated in any time in human history, that's a sign to the nation of Israel, God has abandoned you. And so the height of God has abandoned, the nation of Israel is going to be, they're going to sacrifice a pig in the Holy of Holies. That's an abomination that causes desolation. And in the middle of it, the Lord makes his promise to him. He says something. He says, but the people who know their God will display strength and do exploits. Now, when I first looked at it, I thought actually it was a statement. But the more I looked at it and started, and we're going to do this together, I started looking at the meaning of the words. I found out it wasn't just a historical statement to something that was going to happen. It was a promise of God when wicked things happen on the so in every generation, whether we're in a prosperous generation or in a communist country, we're being persecuted or we're not, God has a response to these things. And let's, let's just, I'm going to take the second part of this passage. It says, but the people who know their God will display strength. Let's work on that. The word know here is yada. Uh, this is interesting. There are three types of knowing in Scripture when we say the knowledge of God. We have what we call, so in Scripture... God is a self-revealing God, which means you would not know what he's like. You would not know what his nature is like. You wouldn't know that he's Trinitarian. You wouldn't know the idea of what sacrifices are for. You wouldn't understand how to be redeemed unless God chose to make himself known. It's called uh, propositional knowledge. It's where God gives you information from another realm to understand who he is. And we have that all in Scripture. God tells us, this is what I'm like. He's a self-revealing God. We have another form of knowledge in Scripture, and it's what's called skilled knowledge. And skilled knowledge is interesting. These are where we get all the principles of Scripture, like if you talk this way to a person, this will be the effect. If you do this with your money, this will be the effect. If you do this with your time, this will be the effect. That The idea of cause and effect or principle-based stuff is stuff that Scripture gives us. That's a form of knowledge. It's called skilled knowledge. God shows us how to live our lives with wisdom, and he gives us steps to doing it. Now, interesting enough, I, as I started studying the, the term knowledge in Scripture, I started finding out that different cultures take the knowledge of God. There's three of them. I've only given you two. They take the knowledge of God, and they fall in love with one or two of them, but most cultures never teach all three forms of biblical knowledge. And when you leave out one form of biblical knowledge, you lack what God wants to give you to walk with him. So what is our culture? Just to give you an example, what does Western culture, what forms of knowledge do they really like? They actually like the first one, where God makes himself known, and here it is in Scripture, and they really love the second one, hey, the five steps to a better marriage, or the four steps to being financially blessed, or the three steps to go on vacation with Jesus, and it's all principle-based. Now, is that wrong? No, but it's incomplete. The word yada here is really interesting because this is experiential knowledge. I think I've shared this with you guys before, but let me just say it again. 
Here we have as a self-revealing God saying, I am love. And then he actually says, you want to you actually know, here's principles of love so that you can live a life of, of love. But until you experience love, you actually don't have the complete understanding of God being a God of love. And so here the Bible is making a statement. So let's look at it again. The people who experience their God. So that's what he's saying here. He's not saying people that read the scrolls of what would have been, up to that point, just the first five books of the Torah. He's not saying the people that study the Torah will become strong. He's saying the people that know their God, experience it. Now here's the promise. This is the beginning of the promise now. In difficult times, God is determined to make himself known to his people. He's determined that he is going to make himself known. So that means... I find this fascinating. This is what we would call the struggle of God's grace, isn't it? A lot of times we think, well, what do I do to get God to respond to me? And the Bible's saying, well, really, your perspective's turned over. You need to look at it properly. It's what I do to get you to respond to me. And so now the Bible's saying, so what is God like in really the most difficult times in history? God makes himself available to now here in the passage, what's really interesting, it isn't just, oh, Jesus, uh, I, wow, it's a difficult time. God has made himself known. He's actually making himself known very specifically to his people in this time. And I actually believe this is for us in our time also. Amen. I, it doesn't matter what we've been going through the last five months. This is in any season of your life. You have got to know God in difficult times just as much as you need to know God in blessings. So how does God make himself known? What, what can you depend on from the Lord? Well, here in the passage it says, But the people who know their God, he will display strength. Now, it's actually interesting. Uh, there's different ways that the word strength is used in the Hebrew. But this is actually interesting. It's saying, so in this place, in the most difficult place of a situation, God has determined that what you need is strength. And so he actually takes from his strength, and he imparts it to you as he makes himself known to you. He actually comes, and the word isn't just um, what we call fortification strength. It actually is describing a level of strength that you've never experienced. God actually takes from his very presence, and he floods it into your experience for a certain reason. Um, I'm like, are you guys like me, I read the scripture and it says, Jesus tells us we're supposed to be overcomers. And how many times when you and I get in a crisis, you go, yeah, I really don't feel like an overcomer. I feel like I'm overcome. <laughs> and yet, this is what God is saying. Hey, this isn't your job to try to figure out how to be strong. In fact, you guys see the paradox? We're always trying to figure out, how can I be strong in this time? Jesus is actually wanting you to go, how can you give up as quick as possible so I can give you my strength. <laughs> Hello. I think one of the most profound. Did you, did you guys ever hear the sermon on the most profound prayer in Scripture? It's actually help. That's the most profound script prayer, scriptural prayer there is in the Bible. Help, because you're actually in the right place when you ask for help. You stop depending on yourself. You stop depending on your acts of righteousness. You stop thinking you're strong. You've turned to something that you need, and you're humbling yourself just in that very act of going, help. Now, my wife, uh, just to give you an example of this, my, wife's known the Lord. my wife has known the Lord since she was in her mother's womb. <laughs> yeah. 
And Sarah's, uh, I've known my wife since she was two and a half years old, and she's always known the Lord. She was the one that tried to lead me to the Lord. It took, a, took me until I was in my 20s. She's always known the Lord. And as we've gone through life, she tells me these uh, things that she experiences with the Lord, and every time she gets in a crisis, she immediately turns her heart. She's learned this as a young girl, and she just, Lord, I need you. I need your help. And she has this, you know, 50-year testimony of God strengthening her through everything that we go through in this life. And God wants to do that for you and I. And he's actually telling you here, you will know God and, he will de- and, and will display strength. So strength for what? It goes on in the passage. You'll actually gain strength, and then it says you'll do exploits, or you'll take action. So this strength is actually interesting. It's not fortification in the soul to stand up in a difficult time. It's actually the same that we see in Acts when the nation of Israel prayed and said, God, are you aware they're threatening us now? And so he comes, and he responds by shaking the house, filling them with their presence, and then with boldness, they don't even care if they get killed now, they go out with boldness and preach the gospel and do signs and wonders. That's what's being described here. It's saying if in a difficult time, God gives you more than what you need. In fact, he gives you so much strength that the very thing that you were afraid of you overcome, and you actually go out to defeat it now. Amen. <laughs> okay, I don't know if that makes sense. Let me see if I can try it another way. The scripture comes to you and I and actually says that you're the ones who are in control of human history. But most of us don't believe that until we get in a crisis. When we get in a crisis, we discover our identity. What's the purpose of discovering our identity in a difficult time? It's so that we can face the difficult time and not only overcome it, but actually overcome it ourselves and then lead brothers and sisters into the same overcoming. So what we call defeat or where we think we're being uh, destroyed, God actually says, no, that actually perfects you. That actually is where I want you to be. Because I want to show my people as people that can overcome everything because my love is that strong in their life. Several years ago, uh, the very one of the very first trips I took to Africa, I had this really kind of bizarre experience. And I'm watching it happen right now in our culture, and I'm going, ooh, I hope what happened in Africa happens here by what I'm sensing right now. So, you guys... I'm an American Christian. I go to Africa. I expect Jesus to act like he does in America when I'm in Africa. If that makes any sense. So I'm going to pray real hard, and people that have runny nose, they might get better, but most everyone will go home sick. That's kind of how I saw it. I go to Africa, and I get there on the ground, and the Lord starts having a conversation with me about what he's like. And he asked me this question that uh, I don't know if you've ever had the Lord pose a question to you like this. But it really threw me off because I didn't know how to answer it. He says, now, what am I like when I come to a city? You guys ever thought about that? What is Jesus' What is Jesus' intent when he comes to cities? See, in America, we're asking, what does Jesus think about an individual? But Jesus thinks about the individual, but, guys, he's come to disciple nations, not to disciple in nations. So how does the Lord actually come as Lord to cities? I'd never thought about that. While I was in Africa, 
I went through this learning curve with him about who he is when he comes to a city. So let me see if I can give you an example. You know when Jesus would come into a city, he'd always make this announcement. Hey, the kingdom of God has come near you. Repent and believe the good news. Now most people think he did that because that's how you start uh, preaching the gospel, is you say that to a group of people. No, that's what, that's what conquerors say when they're about to take a city. They announce they're taking it over. It's like it's called a proclamation of a general to take a city. So when Jesus kept going into towns, he says, hey, the kingdom of God is drawn near. Believe the good news. He was making a proclamation. Are you ready? To every demon force that thought they had the ability to destroy people's lives, he was telling them, I'm going to destroy what you're doing. Yes. Amen. Now, I never saw that. I think he was, I always thought he was making that statement to people. He was actually making it to principalities, and he was telling them, you're losing. Yes. And so when Jesus comes into a city, the first thing he does is he comes and says, I'm going to exert my strength, and I'm going to straighten everybody out about who's Lord here. Amen. <laughs> so you guys are enjoying this, right? Yeah. So when I went to Africa, the Lord said, now, Brian, I want to show you what happens when I take over a city. So we were in this small town. We were out in the marketplace. And, and guys, in the natural, we looked like just imbeciles. We couldn't ever get the speakers to work right. They were bad. We had this bad noise coming out. It didn't even sound like people talking. It just sounded like earthquakes and stuff like that. We had this rickety stage and almost fall apart every time we got on it. But as we preached the gospel, the Spirit of the Lord went into the city and just as a net just started drawing people to himself. And we had people, get this, we had the town drunks coming in while we're trying to preach the gospel, standing in the middle of us, doing their demonstrations to get people to stop paying attention of the gospel. And we have Muslims there trying to convert people into Islam while we're preaching the gospel. And by the end of the week, the Lord caused the Muslim and the town drunk to come together. No one did this. They did it on their own. Jesus had them come together. They both fall on their knees in front of everybody and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when think about that. Don't you guys think like, I told you, I think like an American with Jesus. Oh, when Jesus comes in, Jesus comes and he just kind of gently uh, takes marshmallow oozings and rubs people and makes them feel good, and that's how they come into a kingdom. Ooh. When I went to Africa, Jesus was so different. Actually, it took me two months to try to process what I experienced. He had so much authority, I couldn't believe it. Guys, in America, I pray for one or two people that get better. It was only one person didn't get healed the whole time I was there for 10 days. It was shocking to watch the amount of healing Jesus was doing. He was so powerful. I actually thought, should I just stay here the rest of my life? Why go back to the United States? <laughs> okay. You guys going here with me? Yeah. In the middle of a crisis, we get so focused on evil that we forget God responds to this intention. Isaiah 49, if you haven't read it lately, if you didn't read it before you came. In Isaiah 49, it makes a statement about the Lord. It says, there's no God like the Lord who knows the end from the beginning. So you guys get it? He doesn't know the beginning to the end. He knows the end from the beginning. So, and ministers say this to you guys all the time. Did you not think God knew this was going to come? Well, of course he did. In fact, 
God knew that you were the right person in his time in creation and what was going on with the proclamation of the gospel that he didn't need Smith Wigglesworth to live right now. He needed you. So he put you here now because he knew you were going to be the ones to do what he wanted to be done in this time in human history when this stuff was going on. Amen. He knows exactly what's going on. And he plans on taking a bunch of broken people that don't believe in themselves and wonder Jesus is with them. And he's planning on turning them into champions so that we can do the work that Jesus has given us. But he's going to do it. It's not going to be, oh, I just, I rose up. That, that's not how it works. It's mostly like, I'm weak. He goes, great, finally. <laughs> This is, it's kind of funny. I love how Paula described what I said to her <laughs> in private. It's like, wow. I hope that doesn't get out to anybody. Yeah, but all I, what I'm doing, you guys, so you guys know I travel. I go around to different places and I'm asking believers, how are you doing? Because I want to see how they're viewing. Because you're getting so much information that we're defeated right now. And I'm not looking on how people are interpreting what they're seeing. I'm looking to see what the Spirit of the Lord is doing with them. Um, can I say this? With no hype whatsoever, I am watching the Lord move powerfully right now in our nation. Yes. The meetings I go to, they're packed, and the Spirit of the Lord is showing up in power and doing unbelievable things. And people that would hardly go to church, and they're now starting to come and come into the buildings because, you remember when I said... When God starts shaking everything, he's having an eternal conversation with people. That's going on right now. Uh, now, please don't think I'm morbid after I say this. I love this time we're in right now. I love it. I think it's one of the best things that's happening to us. Now, I'd rather be on a Bahama vacation just like you guys, by the sand, but... Did any of you in the room like history at all? Here's the amazing thing about history. If you study revival history, just how God comes to generations, you find out there's this pattern. And it's, it's so predictable, it almost makes you cry. You guys ready? Evil increases. The people of God get worn out by it. They start crying out for it. And then the Lord responds and brings his presence and changes them. You just see it constantly. Evil increases. It causes the body of Christ to cry out to the Lord. He responds, and then he moves. Now, I know all of you are doing this, right? All right, now, hey, God, I've been asking for 10 years. How much do we have to put up with? Well, until it's time. <laughs> but this idea that he's not, he doesn't know this is coming about, and he's not going to move in your life, and he's not going to make you who he said you're going to be, that's just not true. Let me finish with this. I was 22 years old. I had just gotten off work. And at the time, I was living in Colorado Springs. And when I got off work, I had an hour, basically, to get home. Uh, my wife had dinner waiting for me, so I just kind of shoveled in whatever it was for five minutes in my mouth. And then I ran and jumped in the shower, got out, got on what, what clothes like this that looked like a minister, and I had five minutes to pray before I had to run off to class. So it's just a normal day in October. I, I can you imagine working all day, and I'm trying to, like, do this intense spiritual prayer, and I'm just like, basically all I'm telling the Lord is, I'm worn out. I'm tired. And I'm trying to be 
whatever I thought I was supposed to be, and I'm just kind of like, Lord, could you just kind of help me get through class tonight? I'm really exhausted. I, I just need help. And I kind of fell into something. All of a sudden, I was somewhere else. And, I, and I'm actually um, looking at this map of the United States. And as I'm looking at the map, I see this hand coming out of the sky, pointing at the United States, and he says, now do you see that? And I watch, and it's like this map became animated like a cartoon, and I see this wind coming from the east coast blowing all the way to the west coast. And then as the wind is going, there's fire behind the wind. So it's really kind of an interesting thing. And this fire is just consuming, and all of a sudden the map turned into a wheat field, and this wind is blowing through the wheat, and then it's catching on fire. Right? And it's going from the East Coast all the way to California. And I'm watching that, and I'm like, what is that? I mean, I didn't even know what I was experiencing. It's like, what is that? And the Lord says, Brian, that's what I'm going to do to this nation. I'm going to bring a revival to this nation. It's going to start as a wind, and then I'm going to release a fire, and it's going to overwhelm everybody. And when he said that to me, something got burned into my heart. And, guys, I... I don't care what, I, I, know, I don't know if you're with me when I say this, I don't care what I have to get to to get to that place. Yeah. I'm in this journey to that. That's right. That's right. So, you guys ready? I'm willing to put up with all that because I want that. I want that. Yes. And I'm telling you, we're not going through this for just fun. This isn't just gymnastics. Jesus is heading somewhere with our country. Please believe that. Please believe that. God is intentionally in this season trying to make you strong so you will do exploits with it. Amen. Amen. Wait, what's your name? Sarah. Sarah, would you stand, please? So, Sarah, the Lord calls you the person that carries the presence of the Lord. And I actually saw a picture of you it's kind of funny. Uh, when the Lord was talking to Nathaniel, he said, I saw that you will see the angels of God ascend and descend on the Son of Man. And it's a picture of Jacob's ladder. I actually saw you jumping up into heaven and grabbing Jacob's ladder and pulling it down. And I went, I've never seen that. It's usually the other way. The Lord gives it to us, and then we go up and down it. I know you're trying to figure out what the heck I'm talking about. But the Lord showed me that this ability for you to pull down on Jacob's ladder has to do with your prayer. And God, God has called you a strong prayer person, and he doesn't want you to lose heart because you're pulling down the presence of the Lord so that people will be transformed. Does that make any sense? So let's, let's ask the Lord to bless you. So Lord, release your power and your presence over your daughter right now. And this thing about her being the carrier, you're actually a person that's to carry the presence of the Lord and release it on people. And God wants you to be strengthened in your prayer life and what the Lord is going to do with you. Uh, is the gentleman next to you your husband? In fact, both of you are going to actually be releasing an evangelistic type thing that you've been longing for to actually release words of knowledge, healing, and deliverance to people, even on the street. And so don't become weary in what the Lord is calling you to do. He's going to raise you up to the things that he's promised you. Uh, God has given you a jewel, and he's calling the jewel provision without fear. God is going to provide for you. You don't need to be afraid. So, Lord, just let that rest on your daughter right now. And I command the blessing 
of the Lord upon her. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can sit down if you want to. I mean, it's kind of cool when people fall, but we're trying to not do that tonight. And so, for the sake of what's going on with COVID, we don't want you to fall on the ground. So, Lord, bless your daughter. Bless their family right now. Just the things that you promised them, satisfy them in it. Bless them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, sir, uh, what's your name? John. John, stand just for a second. Uh, I didn't realize I had a word for you, but the more I look at you, I can see the Lord wants to minister to you. You have a leadership call in your life. It's kind of been shut down for a season. God has not abandoned you. He actually said those things he actually put in you. He's going to fulfill his word to you that he actually said to you. You actually are to be a leader that equips and trains leaders. And so even though the body of Christ has been stupid and immature the way they've acted toward you, God is going to redeem that. And he's going to use you to actually come to the broken leaders and restore them because of his goodness and what he's going to do through your life. And you really are going to go back to nations. And so, Lord, release your presence and your power to your son. Does that make any sense to you, brother? Okay, so just kind of put your hands out like it's Christmas. Here we go. Holy Spirit, get him. Release your power and your presence right now over your son. Let, let them walk in the things that you have for them, and let your word saturate them and satisfy them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Um, Bob, your granddaughter, what's yep. her name? Emily. Emily, would you stand, Emily, if that doesn't embarrass you too much? Okay, so Emily, uh, I, I actually I was just waiting to worship what's on your heart, Lord. <laughs> I have to just watch the Lord walk over to you and point at you. And here's kind of what he told me to share with you. You have two motivational gifts in your life. One is compassion, the other is serving. God is actually going to uh, release something in your life of the encounter of the Lord. And he actually wanted me to tell it to you this way. You came out here to meet your grandparents. He brought you out here to have an encounter with them. And so an impartation has been going on with you. And he actually wanted me to tell you this. There's a generational blessing that he is going to bring you under from being with your grandparents that is going to release you in the power of the Holy Spirit for something that you have been longing for in your life. Is that Do you mind putting out your hand? This is hard. At first, it's hard to look through the lights, but then I can't even see your face. You look like a bandit. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, just put your hands out and receive. Holy Spirit, bring your power and your presence in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the way that you've made her. You, you ordained for her to come out and receive from you. So, Holy Spirit, come and hover over her. Release your power, the generational blessing over her, and I commend it to not be resisted over her life. In the name of Jesus Christ, bless her, Lord. In your name, amen. Thank you. All right, if you're, then I thought this was funny. All of a sudden, I got this really intense pain right here. Now, most people think this is a stomach issue. If you feel like you have stomach problems or you have a problem with your colon, would you stand, Lord, once and minister to you? Stomach problems or problems with your colon. So just, if you wouldn't mind, just put your hands off right here, and let's pray for this. Holy Spirit, come right now with your healing power and presence. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, Release your power in your presence. I break the power of this infirmity and disease. I command it to lift off of them right now in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against you will prosper. I ask, Lord, that your ability to restore 
would come into their bodies right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, mighty one. I bless your name. Come on, Lord, completely restore them. Bring your power more. Name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Is there a Carrie here or someone that knows someone named Carrie? One of my best friends in college is Carrie. Do you know him? Are you still talking to him? Her. Her? Yeah. Are you still talking to this yeah, person? Okay, here's what uh, I'm sitting here going, he's saying, call up Carrie. I'm like, what do you want me to say? So here's what you get to say to Carrie. Uh, the name is also a prophetic word. Carrie is to carry a nation. And God is going to move on Carrie's life. And what's going to happen is uh, their whole view of walking with the Lord is going to go through a season of transformation. And they're going to move into a priestly role with the Lord that they've never experienced before. And there's going to be a release, a breakthrough, as they begin to pray for people. Would you mind giving that? So, Lord, release the ability to carry a nation on carry and bless her. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, guys, receive the blessing of the Lord, and then I'm, I'm going to turn it back over to Paula. So please receive the blessing of the Lord. Lord, uh, come right now. Strengthen us. The same power that raised your son from the dead, just release it into our mortal bodies right now. I thank you, mighty one, and I bless your name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you rest. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.